Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Courtside Convo, your favorite NBA podcast. Thanks for tuning in with us here on the campus of Michigan State University here with Impact Studios. I am your host, Carter Landis, back in here for another week. Manita's back after missing last week, and we have Aiden Champion is back in here as well. Thank you for graciously filling in for us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I've been meaning to come back and uh, I did one episode last year, and it was that a lot was, of fun. That was fun. We went really long with that one, but that one we had a really good time good with that one. Yeah, so last week I was with Josh and Carter, and uh, we were doing the, the countdown, but uh, we've got some games now, finally. The NBA season is officially back. We kicked off Tuesday. Uh, the Bucks starting their title defense, uh, and they played the Brooklyn Nets, who are probably one of the more popular teams for a uh, uh, shot at the title. And... Um, the Bucks started their title defense, I think, the perfect way that they wanted to. They wanted 127 at 104. Uh, Giannis, just, you know, in typical fashion, 32 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. His second-in-command, Chris Middleton, filled in with 20 as well. And on the Nets side, Kevin Durant with a really good game as well, 32 points, 11 rebounds. And his second-in-command, James Harden, with 20 points. So... This was a matchup of probably the two best teams in the East. I don't know if you consider Philly up there still or not. Um, these are probably the teams that, you know, barring any circumstances, we could probably see in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Aiden, I'll start with you. Um, do you think the Bucks can repeat? Jeez, with the way that they played against the Nets, I mean, they looked like they hadn't skipped a beat, and they're coming right off their finals run. I mean – they look good, and if they continue to play like this for the majority of their games, I, I don't see them getting stopped, especially I think the only threat still is the Nets, and without Kyrie, I don't know. I, I don't really have them as a big challenger. I agree. I don't think the Bu- the Nets are really on that level as the Bucks without Kyrie. He's an integral part of the team, and he has to be there in order for them to succeed, I think. Um, because without them, it's it. I know KD and Harden is still a formidable duo, but Kyrie really rounds it out. Um, adds a third dimension to it. So, I think without him, it's a very different team, very different dynamic. Milwaukee looked good to open up the season, but then they kind of fell off a cliff last night when they got smoked by Miami. Yeah, they did. Um, forty-two point loss. Really, wow. really weird game after such a good performance to open up the season. Did they rest guys? Were no, they just started really? out slow. Mm. Started out really slow. At one point, it was like twenty six to four, I think. Oh, yeah. So they just started out slow, couldn't get the shooting back, and Miami's bench just kept them out of it. Even though it's the bench players, it left the starters in for a bit, thought they could make a run, and just couldn't. I'd call that a, a, a fluke game, but yeah. but I do think. Miami is going to be a big-time threat this year. I agree. I think it's weird that it happened so soon after such a good performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that is it, interesting. The opposite sides of the spectrum, almost. That is interesting, but I think Miami is is Legit. Uh, constructed to do that, Yeah. to be kind of that um, disruptor team. Yeah, like they're you good. have like they're obviously super. T- yeah, like you have like your super talent. They're obviously super talented. Jimmy Butler, Bam, and, and Tyler Hero with 27 last night as well. I mean – that's that's a team that's gonna get in the pockets of teams and just and drive them nuts and yeah. they're gonna defend the hell out of them because you have Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Bam, all guys who can really defend really well. They got shooters all over the floor. I mean, Lowry being the difference over Dragic with that team is is gonna be, I think, monumental. I agree. Um, one thing I found interesting when I was tuning in a little bit to the uh, Bucks and Nets game was I saw minutes from some interesting names. I saw Jordan Nawara play quite a bit. I saw, uh, I believe he's uh, the rookie, Sandro Mamukelishvili from uh, Seton Hall. I guess they like him. I saw some Grayson Allen minutes. So I guess they were going deep into their bench. I don't know about the, uh, I don't know about when they played Miami, but I saw them, and I saw Budenholzer kind of let some other guys get some run in the first game. So, I mean, I don't know if he was just experimenting with some lineups or um, or what, but it turns out to, it turned out to work. Um so I guess that that also brings another point. We kind of touched on it, but can the Nets, you know, can they come out of the East with Kyrie? I know they're a popular pick with him. Uh, they're still talented without him. I agree. I just don't know if they can, if they really can match Milwaukee. 
But mm-hmm. um, another thing to look at for Miami is Kyle Lowry did get hurt last night. Mm. He had an ankle injury early in the second quarter. They were still able to sustain the win and everything, but that'll be something to watch because he the injury happened and he walked straight to the locker room. So hopefully it's not a broken ankle, but it seems to be an ankle injury right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just looked at it. So if he comes back in the next couple of weeks just fine, this is a dangerous Miami team, but if they lose him for an extended period of time, it's gonna be it's gonna be a struggle to integrate him back in in midseason after they play this stretch of games together, the series or the season opening stretch. Especially when he just joined. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, going back to your Nets question, I th- I think they'll be just fine in terms of um, how they end up finishing the regular season. Um, I I mean. I could still see them making definitely making a conference finals push, um, especially. I mean, if the if the twenty eighteen Celtics made it to conference finals <laughs> without Kyrie, I mean, I yeah. I don't think this team will have a problem. But. That's true. Jason Tatum and Terry Rozier, they did what they had to do with that team. That was that was fun. I mean, the the guy who's basically replacing Kyrie as he's currently not playing is Patty Mills, and I mean, I you couldn't really ask for a better long term backup. Patty Mills, and I don't want to say he'll like replace his uh, Kyrie's production because that's nearly impossible to do. Um, Mills will be just as good as they need him to be, but also Cam Thomas, their rookie who has just looked tremendous. I know it's summer league and preseason, but he looks NBA ready like right now. You know, he didn't get in against uh, the Bucks very much at all, but I think that I think it won't be long before he's demanding minutes on the court just because that kid can put it in the basket. Yeah, um, my my biggest question with this Nets team though is if when Harden's going to come really into play. I mean, we're still kind of waiting for him to explode, <sighs> kind of yeah. find his identity with the Nets. I mean, it's hard when he's been the leader uh, in Houston for so many years, and you know it's it's a tough transition, but. I don't know. I'm I am waiting for him to explode like you said. Yeah, I think he's got to really come into his own in Brooklyn. Like he's been there, he's been the second guy, but James Harden can be a number 1. He can take the load off of Kevin Durant when Kevin Durant needs to and he hasn't done that yet. It has been just KD, 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 KD. And while Harden is still one of the best players in the NBA, it's kind of hard to see him like be that second player when he can be. Mm-hmm the number one guy. And we saw him shine a lot in those games last year when KD and Kyrie were out. Mm-hmm. I want to see that I, I, when yeah. he's playing with He's got to be that aggressive again. Yeah. It's just... It's... I I noticed that, um, that point you brought up, KD, it's just all KD. That's how it felt in the Bucks series, because I know Kyrie got yeah, hurt, but exactly. Harden just, like, was didn't really alleviate KD the way he kind of was supposed to. Yeah. So, I mean... It's going to be tough for them without Kyrie. Like, I know James Harden and KD are, are really good, um, and, the, and the Nets are deep, but the Bucks clearly know how to get in their heads. Yeah. And they, and they clearly have before. So watching those two teams in the Eastern Conference are going to be uh, a lot of fun this year. Um, so in the Western Conference and the other game that kicked off on Tuesday was the Golden State Warriors uh, defeating the Lakers 121-114. to 14, 114. That would, um, Steph Curry just continuing his phenomenal career, posting a triple-double, good 21, 10, and 10. LeBron for the Lakers had 34, 11, and 5. So, Clay's not back yet, but is this Warriors team ready to contend again, do you think? I think they're really good. Um, that you got win- a big smile over there, Manny. It's exciting. <laughs> That win over the Lakers was big, and then last night's win against the Clippers. I I don't think that these are just coincidental. I think this team really is making a push for kind of the upper tier of the Western Conference. Um, and I mean, you can't say enough about Curry right now. I he's, I mean, we're they're two games in, but mm-hmm. ah, gosh, I if I had to pick right now, he's my MVP. Yep, definitely. Yeah, Curry's been insane so far. Um, I ha- I was high on the net of the Warriors going into the season. I thought, you know, regardless of whether or not Clay was there, they were a good team. Like, they played well enough to get to the play-in last year without 
with Curry being absent for a decent amount of the season, with him there the entire year, it'll be a good team. Jordan Poole only improved. James Wiseman's going to come back from injury and establish himself in center. Clay Thompson's going to come back. Clay Thompson's hungry. Mm-hmm. This he's been like on social media the past couple of days. Just he's he's upset about not being top seventy five, mm-hmm. which I can respect. And he he just seems really hungry, ready to get back. And I'm excited to watch him play with Curry again. I think that when you can throw out a lineup of Curry, Thompson, Draymond, Wiseman, and Poole and bring Wiggins off the bench as a defensive stopper, it's one of the most talented top six in the NBA. I think the Warriors have done a good job kind of restructuring their identity yeah. since Kevin Durant left and Clay went down. Um, it was Draymond, or it was Steph with Draymond as a second best player, and you're not getting as much scoring as you really should be with Draymond as your second option. You know, they went and got Wiggins. Jordan Poole has emerged quite a bit. They just drafted really well with Kuminga and Moody, who are two guys who we have said we feel can contribute immediately. I mean, this is definitely a team that could get right back into it in the in the West, especially if Clay is back. And then. On the Lakers' side, you know, they signed a bunch of guys. They brought in Westbrook. They brought in Carmelo. They brought in a couple guys who are maybe a little past their prime. Um, do we think this is going to work for them? Like, can they get back to the finals with this, or is this maybe not going to go the way they want it to? I think they'll they'll be okay. I um, Especially after how they looked in the preseason, I thought uh, the opening game was a major improvement. Um they still played well. I mean, they were in control most of that game. And, you know, LeBron was looking like 2013 LeBron, especially mm. with number six and the headband oh, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know there's a lot of disagreement about Westbrook right now. Um, personally, I, you know, I think they're better off with him on the court. Um, I... I don't have much criticism for Westbrook. I don't. I don't know if either of you do. I I don't. Russell Westbrook is one of my favorite players, and I think he, regardless of how bad he can shoot at some points, he's still a different, a positive difference maker when he's on the court. Any way you put it, if he's not shooting well, he'll be passing the ball and getting rebounds and hustling. Like people might call him stat padding, but he also does put a significant amount of hustle into everything he does. And that kind of energy when you have LeBron on the court is going to be helpful because at some points LeBron won't be able to provide that energy. Mm-hmm. And AD, I don't know, I haven't really seen it from him yet. Not as much as Russ can give. So having that, I think, will help. He might put his lowest scoring numbers up that he has in a long time, but I still think he's triple-double Westbrook regardless of where he is ranked. I guess mm-hmm. on that team mm-hmm. in terms of offensive offensive go-to players. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how much he sacrifices. Yeah. You know, for this team because you have LeBron, you have AD, and then it's and then it's him. How often is he going to be hunting his own shot? How often is he going to be shooting threes? In this game he didn't shoot any. Um how often is he going to be playing on the ball, off the ball? These are things that that the Lakers have to work out. These are things LeBron, Frank Vogel have to figure out. And I mean, I think LeBron, he knows these guys. Like this was definitely an off season where LeBron brought in guys he wants to play with. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's because he brought back a lot of that championship roster. It was evident of Carmelo, Dwight Howard. He brought, yeah, he brought back Rondo, Taylor Horton Tucker. They re-signed. They brought in Kendrick Nunn. These are all guys that LeBron is familiar with, at least for the most part. And he's going to have to make it work because they're all you know individually they're they're decent players or have been before but now they have to make it work as a cohesive unit and i i i'm interested to see if it works i think it's going to be tough that's why i had questions about the lakers but then it's then again you're also thinking oh it's lebron it's not going to be a huge deal i think they're gonna have to figure out what their go-to rotation is going to be and i think it Probably will take them a little while. Personally, I think I don't think DeAndre Jordan should have started the other night. I think Dwight the Howard. The sooner the better. Have. They find out too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the West is tough. That was like the next thing I was going to talk to you about is who do you think the favorites are in the West? I think that 
the Lakers, if they want to be favorites in the West, have to realize that playing Anthony Davis at the five is their best option. Or Dwight Howard, like Aiden was saying. I think Howard brings another good aspect to it, like defensively. Where mm-hmm. I mean, AD is still a great defender, not putting anything aside, but I think yeah. Howard and AD in the paint is really hard to score on mm-hmm. consistently. And he still got it. Yeah. So. Definitely. I mean, the West is tough. You've got Phoenix. You've got Utah. Both the L.A. teams. You've got Denver. You have Golden State could be back. So, like, who do you guys think right now? I know it's it's super early, so who do you guys think the West favorites are right now? I think it's wide open, honestly. I think so, too. I agree. I was going to say that. And I was going to say that's why I think – the Warriors have a really good chance at making a big playoff run this year um, because everything's just so wide open. Yeah. To pick a favorite, though, right now is kind of tough out of the West. It's not easy. I would say just Phoenix just because they were there last mm-hmm. year, and it seems like they won't lose much, but that's really it. Like, I don't know. We have to wait on the Lakers. You have to wait and see. You have to wait and see on the Warriors because you don't know how – long it's going to take for them to reintegrate Clay. You have to wait and see for the Clippers because, I mean, this roster pretty much played together in the playoffs, but you still got to, you know, reset some things. New players are there. No Rondo anymore. Like, it'll be interesting. Um, so, I mean, we really, other than the Suns, there's no other known, like, commodities in terms of teams, I feel like. I agree. I mean, and Utah. Yeah, I, I mean, Utah was the one seed, but they just never make it that far in the yeah. playoffs. They are just kind of in the playoffs, but don't ever go anywhere. So those were the games that kicked off uh, Tuesday night. Uh, good slate of basketball that night. Um, the next night it was a lot of local teams. So we'll talk about the teams that are local in proximity to us. The uh, the Bulls and the Pistons played. The uh, Bulls snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. Uh, Zach Levine. They beat the Pistons uh, 94-88. to 88. Zach Levine with his typical uh, tremendous play. He had 34 points and 7 rebounds. On the uh, Pistons side, Jeremy Grant did all he could. Uh, 24 points and 6 rebounds. So with this, given that that uh, that Cade Cunningham wasn't playing, what do, you, what do we make of the Bulls? I I don't know what to make of the Bulls, truly. I don't know if they're, like, a real Eastern Conference contender or if all these pieces aren't going to fit and they're just going to be, like, a, a play-in team. I really can't. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I'm i in that same spot, too, where I I just don't know what to make of them. I think they've got – because they've, they've built this roster of all these pieces that haven't necessarily come from winning experience, and it's like – I mean – it's really hard to dictate how they're going to gel. Um, they did look good against the Pistons. I don't know um, if you can really base much off of that because I don't, I don't know how the Pistons will stack up this year either. Um, I do think the absence of Cade made a big difference, though. Um, but I don't know. I, I could see the Bulls being like a solid 7 or 6 seed. It seems to be. Yeah, that's where I had the Bulls in my season preview. I had the Bulls at six. Um, I think they look good in preseason, so I had them higher because I thought they gelled really well quickly. Um, but we'll see if they can continue that. I think it's a decent roster makeup. Kind of weird. But I think it, there's enough talent there to get you to a playoff spot, regardless of whether or not the makeup's weird. I... I think that the Pistons were expecting Cade to kind of be there, and I think he's their their centerpiece here, and they kind of expected to be playing with him going into this game, and I think without him, they didn't really know where they were going without him. Um, like, will Chicago's offseason additions push them far in the playoffs? I mean, Billy Donovan isn't extremely known for winning pedigree. I know he had some success, a little bit of success in the bubble with, with uh, Chris Paul. In Oklahoma City, and and as as you said, it's not a lot of winning players there. So it's like if they get to the playoffs, what are they going to do? How are they going to put it together? Exactly. And they're and they're good pieces. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Lonzo Ball, good facilitator, good defensive point guard. Demar Derozan, good scorer, mid range guy, 
Uh, Vucevic, incredibly talented, and of course Zach Levine is your is your main star there. So and of course Caruso. And of course Caruso. Caruso. <laughs> the and goat. of course Alex Caruso. He comes off the bench and destroys the bench units. I think looking a little bit more on the Pistons, they're still in that rebuild, and they just kind of started it a year or two ago when when you move on from Blake Griffin because that experiment didn't really work in terms of trying to get into the playoffs with him. <laughs> Um, and now they're starting a rebuild, but it seems like it was kind of, uh, kickstarted a little bit more by getting Cade and, and there were some possible projections of them getting to a play in like, where, where do you guys think the, the Pistons are right now? Uh, I'll let you go first on this one, Aiden. Um, if, and the, uh, <laughs> And this is just, I guess, being being biased. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe make a play in. I think that's best case scenario. Honestly, um, I'd like to be wrong, but I don't know. I I don't. I do think Cade wins Rookie of the Year. I think he has a great year, but I just I think they're they still need a couple more years to really be like a playoff type contender team. I don't know. Yeah, I think um it's it's at the, at its ceiling, it's a play in team. It's a team like the Hornets last year. Mm-hmm. Um where they have a talented rookie who they're able to ride behind improve the team chemistry, have some fun with, um, and make a play in. But I think that's really it for now. I do like the idea of Getting another rookie this year, top six, seven pick, and then getting a vet, like Chris Paul style. Mm-hmm. Um, getting like a vet dwindling contract who can be that guy. Because Cade's not going to be there yet in a couple of years. Whoever you draft in the first round this year won't be there yet. And Cade's obviously going to be the leader of the locker room regardless of who we draft this year. You get a vet... and you can contend if it's the right veteran. Like Jimmy Butler, maybe. Hmm. Something like say, that. Did you have any names in mind? Jimmy Butler was one that I really liked just because I think he's one of the best locker room presences you can have. I think his issues with Philly were overblown because Embiid's a baby. Um, and Simmons is too. Yeah. Pretty obviously. but um, Minnesota I think, too. Yeah, same thing. Cat does not like to get pushed around by anyone who he sees as equal. Mm-hmm. So I don't think – I think Jimmy Butler would be the right thing for a young locker room or someone like yeah. of that kind of I stature, I guess. I see what you mean. Um, Is it too early to hit the panic button on Killian Hayes? I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to uh, like about the game that he played, but – should we give him time? I mean, I, in my opinion, I think he still needs a little time. He is, what, 19? Yeah. Like, 19, 20. Still needs to learn the NBA game. Still think he has all the talent. I think so, to too. I think he's got quite a bit of potential. Very dangerous word in the NBA. But I think yeah. he's got quite a bit of potential that he can hit. It's just tweaks here and there he's, that he's got to make. He's a good defender. He just got to improve the shooting. But not ready to give up on him fully yet. Yeah, I think he'll be all right. I think if he has a full, healthy season, um, we should see, like Manit said, potential, which, yeah, you don't like to throw around. but, um, And I think I think he'll gel well with Cade, too. I think so, too. I'm interested to see if Cade's dominating the ball. Killian Hayes was kind of the point guard. Does he slide into, like, a combo role? He's a bigger guard, so, I mean, you know, he can play. I think play. that'd be better for him rather than ball handling so much because mm-hmm. he's not – the score you want to have the ball and like he's not the score you want with the ball mm-hmm. so to take that off of him give it to Cade who can be the primary score while still facilitating while still being your primary ball handler would be better and let Killian play like yeah more of a combo guard where he can still use utilize his passing because he still is a pretty high level passer um where he can improve his jumper and maybe be a 15 point guy a game with good defense and, like, five assists. Mm-hmm. Something like that. 
I think, is where he's capped out now, whereas maybe coming from last year, I thought he could have been a little bit better. But I think off-ball is the right move for him. Do you trust Dwayne Casey to make that, to be able to unlock that with Killian Hayes, or will they look for another coach down the line if they want to tr- start winning? I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting call because Dwayne Casey's been there for a while, but they've been losing for a little while, and you want to start contending for the playoffs pretty soon. But Dwayne Casey's a guy who was decently successful with the Raptors, so I mean, it's like, is do you stick with them, or do you, is there kind of like a sense of urgency with Dwayne Casey? Or personally, I don't think Casey's the problem at all. I mean, when they hired him, he was the reigning coach of the year, and got fired for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Yeah, we I mean, don't know. It worked well for Toronto, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, but um, coaching, I just, it's not the problem for the Pistons right now. I re- I really don't think anything will make a difference in terms of who could replace him. I think he should stay at home. I agree. I think Casey's the right. I mean, he knows how to win, so that's already a known commodity. He's won in Toronto. He didn't obviously win at the highest level, but he won consistently pretty much there. Um, and he ha- he hasn't done really anything wrong with this roster. Like last year, they were still fighting pretty tooth and nail with any team that would that they would play. They had one of the best strength of victories throughout the season because they would just beat good teams for whatever reason. They would beat the good teams yeah, and lose they would to the bad ones. Yeah, they the good teams for whatever reason. And it was good to see. Um, I think the NBA sort of rewarded that because they didn't really go out of their way to tank, mm-hmm. but they still played bad right. enough to lose enough games to get in that position. Um, I think Casey's the right guy, though. I think whatever decision he makes with Hayes, I trust. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think off-ball would be better, like I said, but... Whatever he does, I trust him because he hasn't really done anything to prove me otherwise until now. If they were going to move on from Casey, it would just be because they're kind of tired tired of the regular and they want to maybe make a move for someone who could get them to the next level. But that's always a slippery slope. That's always a tough game. I'd say if two or three years from now you're not in top seed, uh, not top seed contention, but like Mm -hmm. mid-level playoff contention, then you you might have to make a move. But Mm -hmm. until then, I think... You've got an extended window. You can see what you can really work with until then. Mm-hmm. It's. I think the Pistons rebuild is going to be an interesting one to follow the next uh, year or two. I agree. So Atlanta hosted Dallas on Thursday, yesterday, and um, it did not look like much of a match for uh, a lot of that game. Hawks ended up winning 113-87. to The leading scorer on the night was Cam Reddish. He had 20 points. Hit three of the four threes that he took. Trey Young off to a bit of a slow start, but still managed 19 and 14. And uh, the Hawks did a great job of defending Luka Doncic, held him to 18 points. He still got his regular numbers, though, 11 rebounds, seven assists still. You know, the tremendous player that he is. But when DeAndre Hunter was guarding him, he shot one of nine. So, I mean, I I am definitely biased here, of course, but I don't think I'm embellishing when I say that the Hawks are one of the deepest teams in the league and could be a threat to make a, another deep run in the Eastern Conference. How 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 far do you guys think they can go? I don't think um, they go as far as last year, but I do think they're still uh, – I think second round is definitely um, not out of question. And I don't know. I think Trey will have another big year and um, – I don't know what exactly to make of them in terms of what their ceiling is, but you know, I I don't have any questions about you know where they stack up um, in terms of where they finish. I guess. I think they're one of the better teams in the NBA. Um, you're right. Yeah, they're one of the deeper ones, but um, I do think, and I thought that going into last year too, that they had done a pretty good job building out their depth it's just if the pieces are going to fit and they eventually did um down the line but i think the hawks will stack up somewhat in the middle again i don't like aiden i don't think they get as far as they did last year i think conference finals is tougher um especially when i think Kyrie does come back this year and when he does brooklyn will be 
right there with Milwaukee. Um, and I'd still take like teams like the Heat and Celtics, honestly. Um, I think Miami can put it together with Kyle Lowry and make a good run. Definitely challenge either Milwaukee or Brooklyn for that conference final spot. But I think there's a bit of a gap between Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and everybody else. But wouldn't really put the Hawks in that higher tier of Eastern Conference teams yet. I also think that the, I do. I was impressed with their game last night, though. Sorry, Aiden. No, you're fine. Um, I do think the the Knicks will be a lot more improved this season. They already look like it. Um, so yeah, I mean, the East is definitely it's stacked right now. There's going to be some good matchups in this year's playoffs. Um, but yeah, so so it's it's hard to dictate kind of where uh, Atlanta ends up. It's definitely not the East of old, where you no. know the 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 three seed was like three games over five hundred or something like it's, that. It's a tougher East for sure. I think that um, I don't know if it maintained, but at one point in the game, the Hawks bench was outscoring their starters, and I think they were outscoring Dallas's starters too. Um, it, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of pieces there. I mean, if you if you finally maximize that potential with Cam Reddish, that adds a new element. I agree. I uh all all of their starting players were in double figures. I uh, John Collins was creating offense for himself last night. He was defending much better. Then again, it's like how good is Dallas really? Like, are they still a team that can compete in the West, or is just like if they did they not improve enough? Did they not improve their roster enough? Did they make a mistake hiring Jason Kidd? I mean. How far can they go with Luca being their one, and then the next the drop off is to Porzingis? They need to trade Kristaps. They need to find so somebody else. Bad. It's so bad. They need to trade him. I heard an interesting point that Jason Kidd has always has been successful, whatever coaching stop he's at in year one. It's... Whether it was in Brooklyn, whether it was in Milwaukee, whether it was in L.A. when he was an assistant coach. This is true. They've always been good, like the first year, and then it starts to tail off, but. I I have been on the record as being against the Jason Kidd hire. I I don't think that he's a great head coach, and I don't think that he will get the most out of Dallas. I don't know what you guys think. I just don't. In terms of where Dallas was at last year, um, I don't think that's the hire you go and make. Uh, when you're, what seed was Dallas last year? Like a five or six? I think they were. Was it the, was it the four five matchup again? I think so. With the Clippers, I think yeah. so. I mean, they were a solid team, and I, and they had a lot of promise. That I just don't think that going and hiring Jason Kidd, even though he does have head coaching experience, he's mm-hmm. you know he's never been like sure he's been successful in year one, but that's about it. And yeah, I don't know. I I just I think they're gonna unfortunately take kind of a step backward this year i heard an in- another interesting point that was um they hired him because like the carlisle hire or like moving on from carlisle did not sit right with with like longtime dallas fans or, or or you know like season ticket holders and that type of thing so they're like hey who can we hire that's that's gonna you know keep these fans here that's gonna hold them over oh how about a guy who won a title with them and is a coach now and that's jason kidd and it's like yeah, I guess he does fit, you know, that he is a Dallas Maverick at heart, but like he's not a great coach and there were definitely better options out there. So mm-hmm. I I don't I just I agree. I think Dallas if they made a couple moves, added maybe another star instead of Porzingis, maybe if they brought in like an Oladipo or or if you had like Dame or something so Luka doesn't have to do everything. If they had made a move like that, they could still be one of those teams to compete in the Western Conference, but that roster's not great. The drop off from Luca to the next is is Porzingis, and it's not, and that's also not ideal. So I just don't think they're in a very very ideal position right now. Yeah, I think the front office is a little too content with what they've got. I mm-hmm. think they should have been maybe a little more aggressive in this off season. I agree. I think Dallas. I really like the concept. When Giannis was still in play, of Giannis going and teaming up with mm-hmm. Luca, I thought that would have been interesting. It would have allowed Porzingis to be a third scorer, 
where Giannis can play the center and Porzingis can stretch the four and shoot some threes, but that's all hypothetical. Um, mm-hmm. they need, they need someone though. Like I said earlier, they need another second scorer, regardless of who it is. It's it's, and I don't know who they can really trade for because mm-hmm. there's not really a name on the market right now. Um, How far does CJ McCollum like push you up? Not really. I don't think it really helps. And I and I just want to know what happened to Porzingis because when he first got to Dallas, he was doing everything. You know, he was shooting yeah, it well. He was creating his own offense. He was defending at a high level, protecting the rim, and everything. And all of that just stopped. Yeah, I, it's interesting to see. He really he went from being a perennial All NBA talent to just some second score, and it's a not really want, an impressive second score. Guy you don't want on your yeah. team. He's I think a lot a bad of, contract now. I think a lot of Mavs fans are trying to get him out of there. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate to see, especially just how well he did in New York, and I, th- I think it ultimately was just him, how he fit in that system, and it was really just him at the time when they had nothing to lose, and uh, maybe, I, th- maybe the expectations kind of got to him a little bit, especially after his injury when he came back. So. That's definitely true. I mean, he he said, you know, he doesn't like kind of being that second fiddle to Luca, but it's like I thought that those two would work really well together. Mm-hmm. I thought so too. But it just hasn't been the happy marriage they thought it would be. So, after that game on TNT, uh the Warriors played the Clippers and uh, that was a really exciting game. Um the Warriors ended up winning 115 to 113. Stephen Curry, another tremendous performance. You know, he had. Holy first quarter. My goodness. He went 25 points in the first quarter, nine for nine from the field. And if you know Steph Curry, you know these aren't just layups he's taking. He's just, he's bombing them from 30 feet. And he finished with 40 points and 10 rebounds and finished eight of 13 from three. Uh, Paul George on the Clippers side, um, 29, 11, and 6, he was doing everything he could to keep them in that game. But my my question is, like, how far can the Clippers go without Kawhi? I mean, they were down and out of it in the first half, and then they kind of worked their way back. I think they have a pretty decent roster. I think they have a bit of an underrated roster. If you can get as much as you get out of Bledsoe, who we've seen be good in the past, but then there's also moments where he looks really abysmal. Um, Terrence Mann has emerged um you've got marcus morris who's always been a quality role player i think they need to find like a big man or something but i as i've stated in on this podcast multiple times i am a firm believer in tyron Lou. it's just without Kawhi, that western conference is brutal yeah um if i if i had to pinpoint where i think uh clippers will end up i I'm a little more pessimistic than you, Carter. I would mm-hmm. say uh, play-in game is is fair. Um, because also, you know, as as great of role players as they have, mm-hmm. there's going to be injuries. And we saw what happened to that Lakers team last year that was really good but still um, yes. only made the play-in game. And, you know, this, this Clippers team is not that Lakers team from last year. And... I I don't know. I, I don't have high hopes for them. And we saw what happened um, last night when they're too reliant on Paul George. Is those last couple of possessions, he was getting trapped and there was nothing they could do. Um, so, I yeah, I think that's kind of the ceiling for them is a playing game. I think it's going to be tough this year. The Grizzlies are improved. The Pelicans are improved. The Blazers are – the Blazers, they'll be relevant. I think it puts them about where – I think that's where the Clippers lump it with those group mm. of teams, the playing teams, basically, like Hayden was saying. Um, and I think that's really where they cap out unless Paul George can really reestablish himself as that Oklahoma City Paul George where he was just ridiculous the second half of the season and pretty much an MVP mm-hmm. favorite until the end. Um, if he does that again, then I think Clippers have a shot at maybe making 6-7 five seed even at its max but without Kawhi, it's going to be so hard for someone to really take the load off of pg because there's nobody else there i mean terrence Mann can but how often is he going to be able to go off like he did in the playoffs it's not going to be sustainable it's going to be tough 
I I do think Tyron Lue is one of the best coaches in the NBA. I will agree with you there, but I th- I still think it'll be a tough adjustment without Kawhi. There's a, there's only so much he can do with the roster. I mean, especially like Aiden said, if they're trapping Paul George, they had like Marcus Morris taking a bunch of clutch time shots, and that's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, and not to say Marcus Morris isn't a good player. I think he's a he's a quality player, but that's not the guy you want with the ball in his hands towards the end of the game. So I mean, it's. Without Kawhi, I feel like as much as they'll say, oh, it's bad that we don't have Kawhi, but we can definitely still contend, I feel like in the back of their minds, it's like, sheesh, we really need Kawhi right now. He's the guy who calms them down, you know, settles everybody down. He can go get a tough shot if he needs to. If the team's down, he'll go get him a bucket. And and, and, and if you don't have that, I mean, Paul George, to the best of his ability, is going to do that, but it's just... the ceiling of the team is not super high. Do you guys think the Clippers make any big trades this season? I was thinking I was thinking about posting that like do they make like a a, a short-term move to replace Kawhi? I I don't know if there was a name I could think that they could get, but they just need someone. And it seems like if they were the gonna they would have done so already. So I yeah. don't know, maybe they're waiting to see how they kind I mean, of they're kind of gauging how they're gonna look. It's it's so hard to do it without draft capital either, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is something they just they don't, don't have. have. And they don't have a lot of yeah, like promising like young what, players you outside of in, Terrence Mann. Are you gonna have to dip into your twenty thirty picks now? Because <laughs> ev- Oklahoma City literally owns you're not every single one that. until like twenty twenty seven. Yeah, you're you're not gonna want to do that. You can't um, mortgage that much of your future. Yeah, I think I think Jerry West and. Tyron Lue have to uh, sit down and take a look at this team and, and maybe make some tough decisions. Um, so the situation in Philadelphia is not getting any better, I don't think. Ben Simmons is now saying he physically and mentally cannot go. I believe he, he said that to Doc Rivers and other, Sixer, and other Sixers brass. Ty, Tobias Harris came out in support of him today on Twitter, said, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to support him. Right now, if he is dealing with with some mental issues, we're gonna support him and and we'll be ready to play with him when he uh, gets back. Um, if Ben Simmons is not actually you know willing to go, I kind of like what Embiid said when he said like, you know, I'm not here to babysit. I'm just gonna play the game like I'm supposed to. I kind of like that. I I. A lot, like I think, before he was not really mentioning explicitly things about Simmons and how the the team chemistry there have not has not really worked out. But I'm glad that he's kind of putting his foot down because it's like, hey, I'm here. I want to win a title, and if you're not, I'm not worrying about you right now. And I really like that he came out and said that. Yeah, and he's got to be sick of it. I mean, these guys have probably been going at it pretty hard this off season, getting ready for this regular season, and you know. Meanwhile, hearing all this stuff in the background, it, it's gotta, it's gotta get old, and they're just trying to move on. Where this, this narrative is kind of holding them back. So I understand definitely. the frustration there. No, definitely the the urgency in Philadelphia is at an all time high mm-hmm. to win a title. I mean, they they've done what they can. Sam Hinkie built this team. He got Simmons. He got Embiid, and he said, "Here are these two guys who are going to play really well together." And then we'll we'll fill in the rest and we'll have ourselves a championship contender. But it hasn't come to fruition the way he thought. <coughs> and it's almost looking like it's gonna fall apart. I mean, it was I mean, Simmons was this close to being traded, and he still could be. He's just not gonna play for Philly, it looks like this year. I mean, Philly, they're both they're both very entrenched in their ways. Like Philly wants him to play. He doesn't want to play. And they're and it's a stalemate right now. They're not Neither side is going to budge, I don't think, anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, Daryl Morey said he wants a championship-level player or a difference maker, as he put it, in return for Ben Simmons. He's not going to get Simmons that. To be moved. Yeah, there's no team that's going to give that for Ben Simmons currently the way Ben Simmons is. The like, way he's acting. Like, I mean, not even that, just the player he is. Like, what? why would you give up a difference maker to your roster for him? Currently, what reason do you have other than the fact that he has potential, which we've been saying for years now, and 
that he needs a jumper, which we've also been saying for years. It's not going to change, clearly. He seems too unwilling to learn how to shoot properly or to put the ball in the basket using a jump shot. So or put the ball in the basket at all. It's really hard to trust to trade away a difference maker that you know can help you right now and that is currently a difference maker for someone who could potentially be a difference maker. We've seen it in the playoffs the last couple of years. Like he could be a defender, defensive difference maker, but that's yeah. not really worth any kind of upgrade over an offensive catalyst right now. I agree. I don't I don't see like the teams that were thinking about it like Indiana, Minnesota, I wouldn't trade I Malcolm Brogdon for Ben Simmons right now. I don't think I would either. I I think that the teams that were looking for him have decent enough cores that they don't need to break him up for a guy who isn't going to change in a guaranteed ways. way make yeah. you better. You know what I mean? So I, Maury is just kind of is being foolish right now, saying I want a championship level player. But look how Ben Simmons is acting right now. He's look not. He's, I don't. I don't think his value was ever worth that, unless he like when he was coming out of the draft and maybe his first year. And you've seen it in the playoffs. Like you know that it's going to be a detriment to you. So you're not getting what you want. Like yeah. Maury is not going to get what he wants here. And if he has to trade Simmons, he's going to have to settle. But if he's not, but he doesn't seem intent on settling at all. So this is just going to keep going on. It's a lot like uh, Jimmy Butler, mm -hmm. Timberwolves, old drama. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it it's. I just feel bad for Philly. I mean, they've they've been right there these past few seasons, and you know, the the process was almost complete, and then it was just like, bam, like, then this Simmons stuff comes, and I, not that I think. They would have gotten over the hump and made yeah. a finals this year, yeah. but you know, it's just it's unfortunate to see with how far they've come. I I feel bad for the guys who are showing up every day and mm -hmm. who are are dedicating themselves to wanting to bring a championship to the city. I'm talking Embiid, who's done everything. The guy played on one leg last year, on one knee last year in the playoffs to to carry them as far as he could. I feel bad for Tobias Harris, who did the same thing. Seth Curry. Who sacrificed a lot? I think he took less money from Philly. He, I, I feel bad for Tyrese Maxey, who emerged as a great player. I feel bad for Doc Rivers, who has to deal with this every single day. When the guy doesn't want to deal with the Ben Simmons drama every day, he just wants to coach the team and win a title. To win a title, but they all have to deal with this right now, whether they want to or not. And it's just, I think it's it's frustrating for them, and it's frustrating for us to watch. I don't, I, I was a big believer in Ben Simmons, but his attitude. And his his indefensible performances have just have I, have made me jump ship. I wholeheartedly agree. I I think we all were pretty big Ben Simmons supporters last winter. Yeah, even. Mm -hmm. But so much has changed since then that it, it's just so hard to support him. And like everybody else is sacrificing for him, yet he doesn't seem to make the one sacrifice that would put them as a championship level team. It's ridiculous at this point like you you're so close that roster is really good right they they have a good core they have a good setup they have a good gm they have a good coach they have everything they need except ben simmons is not willing to do what he needs to do in order for that team to win a title and it's very possible even with him there if he just stepped up and my question is what is his end goal here He's got the contract. It's not like to he's be looking the same for more player, money. Like, is what he, is he going to do? Is Nobody's going to pay you after this. Is he saying to the team, oh, I want to keep being the same player. I don't want to get better, and you have to accept that. And they're like, no. We want you to get better, and he's just like, no. And that's – I don't get it. How do you – you can't take that guy's side at all. Like, I mean, even even I get his him being upset after the Embiid and Rivers called about after they lost, like – I get it. That wasn't That's cool. That, it wasn't okay. But, like, to go about it this way, you just seem unreasonable now. Like, you're, you are making yourself seem worse. Even though they were in the wrong for what they originally did, you are doing so much now to tack onto it that you are painted as the bad guy, even though you shouldn't have originally been. It's, it's just, it's, 
baffling to see the guy who averaged like 35 and 10 or whatever in that series on one knee saying I didn't do enough I have to be better and the guy who's who ever who would score four points in a game and then just completely disappears just like yeah whatever it's not my fault yeah it's it's baffling and it's 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 frustrating and it was my team who beat them too but I'm just like how does how does that happen I don't get it and it's it's something awful and I bet we'll continue talking about it next week anyway I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> so Friday night we've got some primetime games speaking of the Sixers we have the Nets and the Sixers playing each other 7:30 Eastern on ESPN. Brooklyn is a two and a half point favorite. Um, so one bold take and your prediction of who wins. Aiden, who do you got? Um, I got Nets, and I definitely um I think that line's pretty. It's pretty close. Mm-hmm. A little too close, I think. Um, <laughs> it's like I might have to bet on that myself. <laughs> <laughs> um. Bold prediction, I think. Um, uh, in in terms of just like a player performance, maybe yeah. um, it's not that bold, but I, I I'm anticipating a big outing from KD. Um, I mean, I just I think we're bound to get like that that early season like forty forty five point game from him. Mm-hmm. Um, because in past years you've you've been seeing that where players are going off for forty five fifty and mm-hmm. like the first two weeks, <laughs> um, a lot of teams look like they're in that kind of mid season form right now. I don't know how long that will last for some of them, but yeah, I, I expect like at least a forty point game from KD. I would say Bucks or sorry Nets by twenty here. They're hungry. They got smacked around a little bit. I think KD goes off. I don't know what to say about Harden yet. So I think KD just goes off, like Aiden was saying, Bucks by tw- uh, Nets by twenty. Is that your hot take? Nets by twenty. Yeah. Nice. Um, the Sixers, albeit they were pulling the Pelicans, they they did have I think a players only meeting, and then they came together, um, and said, you know, we're just gonna play the way we do, um. And they whooped on the Pelicans a little bit. I think that they, I think it'll be a close game. Um, I will say we get 40 balls from both Embiid and KD. And I think that the Sixers win by two. I think it'll be, I think it'll be close, but I think that the Sixers can compete okay. and win. All right. Uh, Suns Lakers, 10 o'clock e- uh, Eastern time on ESPN. The Lakers are one point favorites over the Suns. Um, Aiden, what do you got with that one? I think I got the Lakers. I think they're going to come out pissed, not only from the other night, but uh, from being bounced by the Suns uh, in last year's playoffs. And mm-hmm. uh, my bold take, um, I'm going to say, and it, it shouldn't be bold, but I think with how he played the other night, it kind of is. I think uh triple double from Westbrook. That's and, exactly what I was going to yeah. say. And I think he has twenty points as well. Yeah. I, I was gonna say the same thing. I think Lakers are hungry. Suns kinda smacked them around a little in the playoffs. Took care of them pretty easily. Um LeBron's not one to let things go lightly. He's not gonna let this go. They're gonna I think they'll get a pretty big win. It might be close. It should be close, but I think it'll be Momentum building, definitely, for the Lakers. Um, I do think Russ has a triple-double, like Aiden said. Um, he just seems like he's ready to bounce back. You know, looking at him, he didn't play much the first game, and he looked upset with his performance, to say the least. Um, so I think he'll come out hungry and play well. I got Suns by six, okay. and I got a 30 ball from Michael Bridges. Ooh, that's my bold take because he's not really a guy who often goes for 30. So I think I think he's going to take a next step. Um, so with still basketball, but, you know, not game related things. I believe it was Tuesday. Was it Tuesday was the um, the deadline for teams to get contract extensions done with their fourth year players? I believe it was Tuesday at six o'clock. 
Um, and we saw a couple of deals um, not related to that is uh, Malcolm Brogdon's deal. He just got a two-year, $45 million extension from the Pacers. I think that was a good decision by both teams. But for the fourth-year guys, Jaron Jackson got paid four years, $105 million. Michael Porter Jr. got a bag. Five years, $143 million. That was before the, the deadline. That wasn't that was long before that. Uh Kevin Herter got four years for $65 million. Michael Bridges uh got four years and $90 million. And I believe Landry Shamit got a contract from the Suns as well. I think he got around $40 million. Uh, I think about 10-ish million a year. Somewhere in that ballpark. I don't know the exact uh logistics. Um but also DeAndre Eaton and the Suns did not come to an agreement uh, before the deadline. So, guys, um, I'll start with Manit. Which player do you think got the best contract, the best value for themselves? For themselves? Mm. Mm, MPJ. But I think the best deal for the team is Jaron. Okay. Not bad. Uh, yeah, I think, um, <laughs> I, th- I think for the player themselves, yeah, I would definitely say MPJ. Um, but, uh, probably in the grand scheme of things, I wouldn't call it the best contract. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Especially because he can, if he, I mean, if he makes all the NBA, they're getting mm-hmm. good return on the contract. Mm-hmm. But if he does make all NBA, that does upgrade to a 175, it does push him, it pushes him way up there. Yeah. He gets a significant bump on the salary. So mm-hmm. even if he performs this year and just falls off a cliff, it looks like a bad contract. Because he, he gets money. that all-NBA boost. So it'll be interesting. I think it's the most volatile contract out there, too, because there's so much, mm-hmm. you know, depending on it. Because I think he could get up to even $200 million, depending I on how much. That. Yeah, I think he gets up to that. 170 is, like, a baseline, and mm-hmm. it can get up to 200 for So my, For Michael Porter Jr., too. It's like, it's, it's he's inter- definitely it's, shown something, but how yeah, much Yeah, he he's, he's definitely shown sparks, but I... Interesting deal, to um, say the least. My uh, my choice for the team that uh, that delivered the best contract would be the Grizzlies with Jaron Jackson. I mean, I think he's the most deserving on this list, and I think he's got the most promise. I think in the next two or three seasons he'll be an All Star. He he's the future of this team, and a team that's really trying to make that push uh, to get back into a good play, a decent playoff run. Um, He's definitely the guy they kind of want to build around with uh, John Moran, of course. Yeah. I think, I think the Grizzlies with John Jaron are what the Mavs wanted Luke Mm. and Kristaps to be. I think John Jaron have already shown, shown so much chemistry where, like you see with Luke and Kristaps, mm-hmm. there's a Discord. But like on John Jaron, they just play well together. They work well together. The team follows both of them, listens to both of them. It it's gonna be a good team going forward. It was a good deal for Grizzlies to for the Grizzlies to lock him down for four years. I think that my player best contract is I agree with you guys, Michael Porter Jr. I mean. For a guy who I think, as we've said, has shown something and the, the, the ceiling is really high for what he could be, but they give $143 million to what he is right now, and I think as of right now, he's good, but is he $143 million right now? I'm not entirely sure, um, and I think best team contract was the Hawks getting Kevin Herter at only $65 million, because I was thinking he would get 75 Brogdon, Brogdon's a steal, too. I Definitely. Think. They're only, what, 22 and a half a year? Yeah. I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking Herter gets 75, 80 million, and they yeah. got him for 65 for what he does for that team. Um, I like that one a lot. So the Suns, Aiton and the Suns didn't get a contract on. Why? What are we thinking? Did they not see enough from the playoffs? Are they thinking they wanted to put that money elsewhere? I mean, they gave it to Landry Shamit and I, I Bridges. Thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I don't know Aiden's thoughts, but I thought it was really interesting that they didn't bring him back. I think. Or haven't so far. He's a trade piece now. Yeah, at this was... point, like what, what else are you really gonna do if you're you weren't willing to commit to him? You have to show a willingness to throughout the season, otherwise he's gonna want to be gone. So you either have to get a return for him or you need to resign him. But I think it was 
it was an issue that they decided not to re-sign him because Aiton is one of the better centers in the league huh? currently. Um, I would say Dallas, you should yeah. ring Phoenix's line for Aiton. Throw Chris Stops maybe. I mean, Chris Stops would just be a salary match at that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, Chris Stops, couple firsts, throwing a young player or two around him, and you'd be presenting a solid offer. For Aiden, and I think it would work better than Kristaps and Lucas. I mean, there's not much. Oh, definitely. Not much would be worse than that, but yeah, be interesting to see where he ends up or if he ends up anywhere else. So the Suns have Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Bridges, and now they have Landry Shamit all signed to big deals. And DeAndre Aiden has been has been reported as being extremely unhappy. Aiden, do you think they trade him? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think if they if they didn't get an extension with him, I, I think that's what they're looking to do. Um, and I think they should look at like a a guy who's kind of like on the bubble of an all star type caliber player. Um, personally, though, I think they they should have resigned him. But yeah, I, I guess I don't know. They they clearly have. Um, uh, a different idea of where they want their team to go right now. Um, and they want to make changes from last year. And I think they, they believe they can be better, a lot better. I think that their window's closing to trade for a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, who maybe that's who they wanted beforehand. If they were going to move Aiton, I know that there were maybe some rumblings about that, but the Timberwolves seem like they're getting ready to acquire some pieces and try to compete. So I think they've missed that window of, of if you were going to trade Aiton, it would be for somebody like Carl Anthony Towns, who would definitely, I think, push you into being the favorites in the West. Um, so I, I think they've kind of missed that mark. I agree. I think it would have been an interesting trade to see. But They'd have to throw in a lot. Yeah. I think Carl Anthony Towns would demand a lot in a trade. So speaking of contracts, before we get out of here, we're going to end with a fun little game. Um, so we're going to guess that contract. And so I think we've all got one, right? I think everybody's picked one. Okay. So we've picked a wild contract that a player received at some point in time. And we're going to try to guess which uh, which player got that ridiculous contract. So Aiden, you're our guest. I'll let you go first. All right. So I do I give the year as well? You can give the start? year. You can give the year. Okay. And if we can't get it, you know, you can give more hints. Okay, the year is 2016. It's a four-year, 94 million. Oh, um, Horford. Nope. Uh, was it Evan Turner? No. Oh shoot. Was it uh? Was it Batum then? Mm-hmm. Oh shoot. I'm not sure either. No, 2016 was a year a lot of guys got some crazy contracts. You guys want another hint? Maybe team? Yeah, go ahead. Grizzlies. Oh, uh, was it Chandler Parsons? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Jeez, that's a bad contract. <laughs> four years, 94 million. My goodness. Okay, me. Uh, four years, 171 signed in 2019. 171. 2019? Wow. Oh. He got traded. Already? Yes. This contract is not with the team that signed him. 171 for four years? And it was only like two years ago. I'm, I'm going to need team, I think. Washington. It's probably a dead giveaway now. Oh, is that... Did they give that to Westbrook? No. No. Oh, shoot. No. He probably moved on. No, they... Well, they don't own the contract anymore. At all? Yeah. They moved an entire 171? The Wizards? Did the Wizards give that to John Wall? Yeah. They gave him that in 2019? Yeah. Wow. He's owed 91 million by Houston Wasn't over he the next two years. Wasn't he hurt at that point? Yeah. He's owed 91 over the next two years by Houston. He's going to be impossible to buy out. Like, there's buyout rumors for John Wall, but what are they going to pay him? Shoot. What? Why? Who? What is going to make him walk away from $91 million? Yeah. I want to... Mine doesn't seem like as bad Blake now. Griffin needed like what seventy. 
to yeah, walk I, away from Detroit's money. I don't know. Wall that would is need awful. at least eighty-five or eighty What's to walk away from that much money over the next two years. My goodness. In order to, yeah. My goodness, that is actually brutal. That makes that makes mine seem. He's a making lot. forty-seven million dollars next year just by doing. He's probably not even gonna play for no, Houston. He's not playing right now. <laughs> Uh, whoever his agent is, that's some top tier stuff. Rich Paul. Oh, Rich Paul. That was a Rich Paul. Yeah, that's pretty good. See, now mine doesn't seem as bad. So mine is uh from 2016 as well. It's for four years, 70 million, because they were just handing out big contracts. Mozgov. I don't. It wasn't Mozgov. Thought that was it. That was the one I was really thinking about. It was the year they were just handing out contracts like crazy. Four years, 71. For just 70. I thought it was 72, but I guess it's 70. Evan Turner to Boston? Wasn't Evan Turner. Horford? Wasn't Horford. Hayward? Wasn't Hayward. No, his was fucking Huh. Do you need team? Yeah. It was Atlanta in 2016. Dwight? Wasn't Dwight. Yeah, believe it or not, that one actually makes sense, but this one doesn't. Mello? That wasn't Carmelo. What? Now I'm lost. You just let me know if you want another hint. Yeah, give me position. Uh, small forward, shooting guard. Who the hell? <laughs> I know. Now now it's like... Now you're like, oh, I can't even think of a player no. I would fathomably give this contract to. One more. One more hint. Two more hints. 2016. 2016. Huh. Yeah, I have nothing. Can I... Can I ask where they are now? Yeah, where are they They now? are now with the Lakers. And they played with Golden State last year. Oh, Bazemore. It was Kent Bazemore. They gave Kent Bazemore $70 million. God, Bazemore. <laughs> what a... That was a just awful That's contract. That's bad. From from West Wilcox. That is really bad. That's I kind did of, not think Bazemore would get that much. It's kind money. of it's kind of fun to uh, look at that, isn't it? It's kind of like, oh, shout <laughs> out to shout out to Carter last week. We were going to do that last week, but we ran out of time. And speaking of being out of time, we are going to get out of here for Manit Patel and Aiden Champion. Thank you for joining us. Thank you again. I am Carter Landis. Everybody, thank you for tuning in and listening to us. Ramble on about basketball for another week. We'll Cade, be back. We're waiting for you. We're waiting for you, Cade. And we will see you guys next week for some more courtside convo. Have a good weekend, everybody.